0: Welcome to VCR, Vintage Cinema Rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Michael. And it's my choice, bitches. Can you lie, sucker? (laughs) Happy birthday, Blake. (laughs) Uh, Happy birthday, indeed. We're doing Tremors from 1990, the cult classic horror comedy. One of my favorites of all time.
1: Yeah, this was my first time seeing it, so I have a lot to say.
0: I'm sure you do. I have a lot to say as well about this one. And like I said, right before we started recording, I did something incredibly stupid uh, for the viewers this week. So um, stay tuned for that later. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, That's for the spoiler (laughs) conversation, though. And this is actually our spoiler-free conversation of Tremors. Kind of explaining, you know, a primer of what to expect from this movie, who it's for, when to check it out, all of that fun stuff. That being said, why don't we just get into it?
1: So, this movie takes place in Perfection, Nevada, a small town. And when I say small, I mean really, really small. Like, I think (laughs) it has a population of 14. Correct. So, uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward star as Valentine and Earl, two down-on-their-luck handymen who might be in some kind of a relationship. Anyways.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely not. I don't
1: know. I was looking at they have like they share a house. They have a sign that says Val and Earls. It just like, like
0: they they share some land that has two different uh, RVs on it, motorhomes on it. Okay, allegedly. Anyways, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward stars two small town handymen who are down on their luck, just trying to uh, eke out a living. You know, in this really 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 isolated place so they're both frustrated they have plans to start a new life somewhere and one day they after a little incident with a septic tank they decide to take to the road only to discover that there's something out in the desert that may be stopping them from leaving something in the desert that may actually be preying on the town Yes. So this movie I like to think this movie as
0: Jaws but
1: in the desert.
0: That's exactly what you can think of it as. And that I think I wanted to really kind of discuss that when we get into like the who is this movie for, because this is definitely a callback to Jaws from the seventies. It's also a callback to Frank
1: Herbert's Dune, because it turns out there are multiple sandworms, I'm sorry, graboids that are <laughs> converging on the town and eating people. Yeah. And if you've seen Dune, it's essentially the same thing. There are these like...
0: Maybe even a prequel.
1: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I was going to make a joke that this is the unofficial second Dune movie. So they're essentially, they're like turd-shaped, like (laughs) turd-shaped monsters that they swim through the sand and they navigate by sound and they're carnivorous and they're picking people off.
0: Yeah, and that's actually the original idea for the film as well. Like, the original conception of this film was land sharks, which, you know, you can almost make the comparison immediately to something like Sharknado or something like that. And it's almost like, I would say, this is a B-horror movie. Like, this is not, like, oh, top-shelf, like, you know, horror film. This is, like, B-movie, horror movie, like, horror comedy, very intertwined, like, almost, I would say... It's, it's Jaws, but with, like, the same vibe as the Evil Dead 3. Essentially, yeah. Like, this is a
1: movie where, like, it's not... It's a horror comedy, but I almost feel like the comedy takes precedence over the horror. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that said, it's a surprisingly, like, well-done setup. You know what I mean? There yeah. are some moments of, like, genuine tension. Exactly. But- it's not exactly... <laughs> it's not exactly going to terrify you. It's not going to traumatize you the way Jaws traumatized a generation.
0: Exactly. The stakes are feel significantly lower. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a very fun movie. Whereas Jaws is a very tense movie.
1: Yeah, and even our two leads, Valentine and Earl, they're just kind of these, like I said earlier, they're these small town handymen that are kind of down on their luck. And like... I was watching the movie and I was kind of like, it's interesting. This is an interesting choice of leads. You know what I mean?
0: Like, oh, absolutely. And actually, characters and people you may know, like, we're getting into it right now. Like, okay, look at that smooth transition. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Bacon, like, this is a movie that, you know, you wouldn't expect to see an actor like Kevin Bacon in either, right? No, not really. It's a movie that I think nine times out of 10 doesn't work or isn't yeah. as effective <laughs> yeah and and somehow they hit the 10th time they struck the gold here it's a lot of fun and kevin bacon's like you know this is a young kevin bacon he's definitely trying to figure out his way in the world at this point both in real life and in this movie uh and we'll talk about that in the spoiler section a little bit i think yeah i just found it kind of funny that it's like you know you know,
1: like in Jaws, we've got Sheriff Brody, who's like, you know, it's he's a law man. He protects the town. So it makes sense why he would go after this evil shark. But like, I almost feel like it's almost like, you know, in Dungeons and Dragons where you just roll your character. And it's like, okay, a lot of strength, some dexterity, not a lot of intelligence, <laughs>
0: but <laughs> we're going to go from here, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but it looks like a really fun role to play though, right? Yeah, like
1: they're, uh, you know what? You and I grew up in a small town, so I'm allowed to say this. Yeah. They're kind of just these hickey guys. Yeah. You know, they drive around in like a uh, shitbox pickup truck, all that stuff. You know, I liked what they did with Kevin Bacon, where, you know, he's young, he's significantly younger than Earl, his buddy. Right. So Earl is a bit kind of like a wiser, older brother figure, well, like allegedly wiser.
0: You know? Yeah, that's like a quote point to make. Yeah, there's, a, there's even a quote like, and actually, this is a really quotable movie. But there's even a quote where he's like, "Well, I'm the older, wiser one." He was like, "Well, you're half right on that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, actually,
1: I liked. So we open the movie with Kevin Bacon taking a piss. Yeah, and then. Earl is sleeping in the back of a pickup truck, and he's trying to wake him up. So he just starts shaking the truck, and he's like, ah, stampede! (laughs) Like, so right away, you've kind of got this vibe of, like, two buddies just hanging out with nothing
0: better to do. Yeah, don't take life too seriously kind of thing. Like, just two goofballs.
1: Yeah, and I liked what they, I actually kind of liked what they did with Kevin Bacon's character, you know. There's kind of this thread throughout the movie where Earl keeps chastising him, telling him that, like, You know, he never thinks ahead, he never has a plan, all that stuff. And then, like, he's got, like, what do you call it? Like, his visor, his sun visor in his truck. Right. Has
0: pictures of, like, you know, this one. Hmm? An ex-girlfriend.
1: I think it was, like, a a gymnast or, like, an actress or something. But, like, he has a very specific idea of, like, what his ideal woman is going to look like. Right. And he's not willing to deviate from that. And... Spoiler alert, he changes a little
0: as the movie goes on.
1: A little. He has a a
0: nice, yeah, slight character arc. So before I move on from this, I do want to mention, like, Kevin Bacon's probably a household name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mainly for, like, Footloose is, like, the big one that put him on the map. But modern movies that he's been in uh, the last 10, 15 years. He was in Leave the World Behind, which just came out, like, a few weeks ago. Oh, I've never heard of it. Uh, That's the one that Jason was talking about being on his his honorable mentions that he would only slightly finished at that point, but it's a horror movie, like a suspense horror movie that's on Netflix right now. Uh, I think a lot of people are watching it. So you'll know him as like the uh, survivalist, like the prepper in that film, uh, which we're about to talk about preppers and survivalists uh, very shortly, actually. Oh yeah. (laughs) He's also in crazy stupid love, which is probably one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. And he also did the following, which is a, serial killer horror show from, like, uh, six to eight years ago, which was actually, like, kind of maybe underrated. It's
1: yeah, really good. I will say, I've never real this movie was surreal to me because I don't think I've ever seen young Kevin Bacon. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've only ever seen, like, crispy Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so, like, I was kind of just looking at him in the movie, and I was like, I wonder how old he was when they shot this. Like, yeah, 30?
0: I don't know. I don't think he was 30 yet. I think he was mid-20s oh okay yeah and the other thing that i find really funny about kevin bacon is there's this thing called the six degrees of kevin bacon which is like this game where you basically start at any movie and the theory is that and and this is actually a self-pronouncement that kevin bacon said like early on in his career that he's worked with just about everybody in hollywood so okay the game is that you're supposed to start with a movie and then through association get to kevin bacon by the way this has its own wikipedia page i just checked (laughs) yes it does um which is kind of special yeah so i would recommend googling that bizarre piece of uh film trivia (laughs) okay (laughs) and so he's starring opposite fred ward who you already mentioned um fred ward's kind of like middle-aged at this point in time in this film so I didn't really have a ton of stuff that he's been in. Yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Well, in the last five, he passed away within the last five years as well. No, he passed away last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, very Last May, actually. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. He was in 30 Minutes or Less, which is a pretty decent comedy from like the mid 2010s. And then he was in True Detective season two, which I haven't watched yet, but that's the season that's kind of reviled. So maybe not okay. recognized for that, but the older movies that he's known for other than this one, obviously are shortcuts and the right stuff, which the right stuff is on our list to check out at some point. I, I've heard stuff and things about that one. Can I just
1: say that I hope
0: I age as gracefully as that guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, he must have been like mid forties in this movie. Damn. Oh. He looked great. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. He was honestly probably closer to 50 at that point right like i think he passed away if he passed away last year it was like at 79 or something like that so yeah pretty pretty close Total silver fox (laughs) yeah yeah i I can i can see what kevin bacon sees in him (laughs) (laughs) um the other thing i was going to mention about these two characters that i i thought back of while i was watching this is that they kind of remind me of like video game characters uh that you like you play as like for example skyrim where you're the guy just doing all these odd jobs for all these npcs who aren't capable of doing anything for themselves oh yeah for sure that's like basically like the idea of what their profession is in a nutshell um it's it it was really humorous when i when i made that connection yeah i
1: mean we see them like building fences we see them picking up trash we see them like draining septic tanks like hmm yeah, I love the scene where the um, I forget what her name is. This middle, this the middle-aged single mom is like, "Hey, can you guys build me a pottery kin? It'll be a month's work. I'll throw in lunches and <laughs> beer."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and that's kind of actually like. Uh, there's one other character I want to mention, and then we'll maybe talk about some of the like townsfolk because, honestly, like it's really cool because you know, it's a pretty small cast and everybody in the town kind of gets their own little like brief moment in the sun. Brief. Yeah. Yeah, Which is kind of fun. But anyway, so the last character that I want to mention that kind of rounds out these two is Rhonda Lebec. She is a younger grad student who is just kind of happens to be in the area around perfection for the summer doing like a a study basically they're checking out the seismic activity around this location because she's a grad student like she's one of the more intelligent characters of the film she's respected very highly from the group and becomes kind of one of the leaders of the group which is really fun really fun mm-hmm. portrayal in general from her but you actually probably haven't heard of her because she only did a couple of movies her name's finn carter and she did a couple of movies and tv shows after this uh and really, like, retired after, at, like, the year 2000. So she's huh. somebody you haven't seen before, which is kind of neat. Interesting. Then we get into the Townsfolk. And it's, it's a really diverse group in this group of 14, which is honestly, like, it feels refreshing, especially, like, from a movie from 1990 to have such a diverse group of characters. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Bert Gummer first and his wife um so Bert Gummer is the survivalist hardcore like gun toting <laughs> prepper of the like the town they live in like a compound on the hills like just you know a ridiculously over the top character that's also charismatic like there's only one character that's kind of annoying but like he's annoying on purpose in the movie yeah and he's married to reba like reba mcintyre the musician oh is that who that was you Jesus didn't Christ. recognize reba no <laughs> yeah yeah helen helen gummer is reba so this is actually reba's first movie role too which is kind of cool and and she, honestly she can act can i
1: just say that bert and what was her name helen uh, Bert and Helen Gummer are probably my new favorite on-screen couple. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a scene in particular later on in the
0: movie that we'll talk about where I'm like if this is what I want, this is yeah. what love looks like. <laughs> it's it's very fun. Like, you know, think prepper, like think like Americanized prepper survivalist and lots and lots of guns and the all of those guns, all of those weapons play a very big role in this film.
1: Right, and this was pre-COVID when preppers could be fun. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I was kind of thinking, like, if this movie was made nowadays, he would be the villain. <laughs> yeah, it, and that's kind of the fun thing, is there isn't really, like, a villain human character in this. Like, everybody kind of bands together. Yeah, it almost kind of gave me, like, Western
1: vibes, you know what I mean? Oh, easily, like, yeah. Like, we're this frontier town that's being, you know... You know, we're being threatened and everybody just rallies together.
0: Like, what do we do? (laughs) Yeah. Burt Gummer, played by Michael Gross, who is a most known other than this movie and this role as the TV dad of the 80s. Like he was the TV dad in Family Ties. Oh, really? Which is a show that's been probably talked about a lot recently because of michael j fox and him having a documentary recently like that was kind of one of the shows that put michael j fox on the map in the 80s oh okay and so he plays his dad in that like he he's a really important role and so it's kind of fun because he goes from like you know a goofy dad to like this wiry survivalist like prepper guy in this film and a ridiculous over-the-top role that's like i said a lot of fun <laughs>
1: But, like, it works in context, too, because you could imagine a guy this paranoid would want to live in the ass end of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% on this compound.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What I find inspiring is that he found a woman who's as batshit crazy as he is, and they have a very functional marriage, despite how crazy they both are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then we've got Walter Chang, who's also very important to the town because he has Chang's hardware store and grocery store. It's basically also like a little a convenience bar? store. Also a bar. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just it's got a little bit of everything. It's like the hub of the entire town kind of thing. It's the it's
1: like a general store in like an old western town, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like you can buy groceries, you can buy bullets, you can have a beer like Yeah,
0: whatever you need. Did you recognize Walter Chang's actor? You know, I've definitely seen him around, but I couldn't name him. So John Carpenter, one of my favorite directors of all time, uh, okay, worked with uh, Victor Wong, the actor, several times. Um, you're gonna recognize him instantly from Big Trouble in Little China if you love that movie as much as I do. Um, he's also mm. has a pretty prominent role in The Prince of Darkness as well, which is a I I would say is an okay John Carpenter movie. It probably sits somewhere in the middle bottom for me on his. Oh, and he was list. the grandpa in Three Ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> Um I, I really like Victor Wong and I love when he shows up in movies, so I was really happy to see him here. He was really he was really fun. I had a lot
1: of fun with him in the movie. There's that great moment where they find one of the tentacles from the sandworm
0: or the graboid, and he's just like, I'll give you five dollars for it. <laughs> it's a very capitalist movie and it kind of makes like a lot of jokes towards that as well. Mm-hmm. Like it like everybody's trying to like, you know, how are we gonna how are we gonna profit off of this insane thing that's happening to us?
1: Yeah, I know. And, like, later on in the movie, he's the one who says, well, we need to come up with a name for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's the one who suggests Graboid.
0: Yes, it's, yeah, and that's actually a good point, that this movie is actually, like, for a bunch of characters who aren't the brightest, in a sense, like, the movie itself is actually really intelligent, and it kind of plays on a lot of tropes, and, and maybe even, like, the horror genre, the monster movie genre a little bit, because, you know, like, names are really important and names are really important to horror movies like if you think about you know Godzilla King Kong like names like that like something that you know catches the tongue, catches the ear like stuff like that is is really important to the legacy of those kind of monsters well it's it's also kind of funny because like even in the movie they
1: kind of play it off as a joke like he's just like oh we need to come up with a name for it and then him and the teenage boys start spitting names back and forth but then you know, Val like ah shut up, Chang. Like we gotta figure a way out of this. But like, you know, graboid it sticks with you.
0: Yeah, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. And actually, that's a good point. The last character or second last character that I'm gonna mention is Melvin, the dirtbag teenager yep. in the town. He's he's incredibly annoying, but it's fun because everybody else in the movie recognizes how annoying he is um, and calls him out on it constantly. There's some really great moments with his character as well. Like, it's not a movie where the kids are annoying, but nobody recognizes it. Think like the modern day Jurassic Park movie, like the most, the most recent, the first one in the trilogy, like annoying kids, like think Carl and the Walking Dead early seasons, like that sort of thing, right? He's annoying, but everyone's like, God damn it, Melvin, I swear to God, I will murder you. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days you're going to get your ass kicked, Melvin. Yeah that's an actual direct quote from this movie (laughs) yeah really and the other like child actor of the film is mindy um who has a kind of really funny role in in the film she's the kid from jurassic park like the original jurassic park i don't know if you recognize that i did not know oh yeah she's like the girl from jurassic park uh i i kind of thought about it at first and then jess was like is that the girl from the jello meme and i was like what the hell are you talking about? Jello meme. Oh, and she pulled the picture up and I was like, yeah, it's the girl from Jurassic Park. I was kind of thinking that, but so yeah.
1: Is, so she really, she went from this to Jurassic Park. eh? So
0: <laughs> yeah, really prominent child der- actor. So she was kind of typecast as a little girl in monster movies. Yeah. But you know what? Like the, one of the greatest movies of all time, Jurassic Park, and one of the greatest B horror movies of all time, Tremors. So you know what? Not a bad little filmography. Not at all. Well done. Respect. Yeah. And rounding things out, directed by Ron Underwood, who had a bit of a 90s run, but hasn't really made any movies since. Like, he did City Slickers, which is a movie I haven't seen yet, um, but stars Billy Crystal. So it's a movie that I really want to check out at some point, because Billy Crystal is one of them funniest human beings to ever live oh miracle max from uh, the princess bride yes and he did mighty joe young which is a movie that i remember as a child and i remember it existing and that's about as far as that goes so i don't (laughs) think it was a good movie what a sick burn blake i remember (laughs) it existing (laughs) and finally the writers are ss wilson and brent maddock who are actually The original film that they wrote was Short Circuit, which is a movie that I think you had on VHS. I don't think so. I know what it is, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I've seen it before. Um, I thought I'd watched it with you, but maybe not. Wait, I think I saw it on cable actually a long time ago. That's the movie about the robot, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the the OG, like, let's make a child robot kind of thing and teach him about (laughs) the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I remember that. Not a, not a bad little movie, but this this was kind of their baby. Like they came up with the idea, called it Landsharks, um, and we'll talk about all of the making of the movie and the deep dive. Who is this movie for, and does it hold up to a modern watch? What are your thoughts? I think it holds
1: up to a modern watch if you go in knowing it's a B movie.
0: Yes, you know it, what I mean. Yeah, don't expect like the top tier effects however i will say that the effects are actually done really well and this is where i thought back to like jaws where oftentimes there's a less is more kind of use um until later in the film with the the creatures
1: yeah like even though this is kind of a b silly movie it does a good job of like building intrigue you know what i mean exactly like i don't think you get a clear shot at one of the graboids until like at least
0: half an hour in yeah for sure even though like they do make their appearances known very early on in the film actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also know like it also kind of borrows from Evil Dead those like big oh, moving yeah. tracking shots like you yes. get a POV from the monster and it's like like it oh, yeah. comes up. So, and like it's very it's effective in this movie.
0: Yeah, it is. Honestly, uh especially because of the nature of the the beings being under the ground like when you're shooting those at ground level right like the evil dead it's a it's a very iconic camera movement now but it doesn't always necessarily make sense like you never really see anything moving through the forest like that whereas this one it's like oh yeah like this is a thing that is moving along the ground and that's how it's shot right yeah you know this is like one of the more famous cult movies that we've talked about on this podcast it completely kind of missed on its original release like it it didn't do well but has since become like a really massive classic so i think you made a good point like if you like the evil dead if you like jaws i think the combination of the two of them is kind of where we meet at it like there's a bit of an aw shucks comedy to it that's kind of endearing (laughs) as well
1: yeah like the dialogue isn't super clever or anything but it is funny yeah what i mean
0: Yeah, yeah exactly and it like it's an average group of people and, you know, they're trying to do like an above average thing. Like they're trying to, this isn't a world ending scenario, right? Like the stakes aren't massive, but they're high enough for this group of people. Like the, this is their world, right? And and for them, like this is very high stakes. And, and a lot of them, like a lot of the solutions that happen throughout the film are really creative. Like that's part of the fun of this movie is like, there's a lot of MacGyvering going on.
1: Yeah, it is kind of like, it is just, I like how you said that. It's just a bunch of average people in a kind of extraordinary situation. But, like, it is kind of fun watching them just think their way around the danger. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and making kind of, like, realistically, like, relatively logical conclusions and coming up with, like, relatively logical solutions to their problems, right? Like, nobody, no character is really acting outside of what their character is is how the character is written, right? Like, there's no, like, stupidness going on, really, in this film.
1: I mean, there's a little stupidness from There's a little stupidness, but not like, but
0: not like, like, why would you do that kind of thing? It's like, well, you know, that character's a little dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think, I really think this movie holds up to a a modern watch. Honestly, like, I hadn't actually seen this film until probably about 2020, while we were in the, the thick early days of covid this would be a good uh, COVID watch because it would cheer you up. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's a fun, fun movie. And that's that's maybe a good point. Like, when to watch. Like, you know, watch it when maybe you want to get cheered up a little bit. Or, or you know, you're looking for, like, a good time.
1: Or if you're just trying to tide yourself over until Dune 2 comes
0: out in March. <laughs> yeah. Like, watch that. Yeah, I think this is, like, a a really good Friday night, late night movie. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And actually, I was going to ask you now, uh, this is kind of one of our new segments of the primary episode, the one scene that sells the movie. Did you come up with one? I do. Yeah. Do you want to just remind the viewers
1: what the one scene concept is?
0: That's a a good idea since we've just started doing this. Um, So basically, instead of watching a movie trailer and actually uh, famously, again, this movie trailer was one that the writers despised and thought didn't portray what the movie was really about. And so instead of watching a trailer that was made like 30 years ago for an audience of 30 years ago to sell people to get to a movie theater that, and again, in this case, didn't work, um, hmm. we're recommending a movie clip that the uh, YouTube channel Movie Clips has made of like, you know, they make 10, 12 movie clips of a film and they're very iconic scenes. And so we pick one that kind of like sells the movie, maybe doesn't, you know, over things, but also portrays the spirit of the film so which one did you end up going with because i'm kind of still between two right now well i picked
1: my favorite scene because it's my favorite scene nice it's uh the wrong rec room oh my god yeah yeah that might spoil things a little bit but i do
0: think it really captures the tone of the movie and that's that's a really good point as well right like you want to capture the tone of the film and that's i think that's You've made the my my solution up for me because I was debating between bloody jackhammer, which is shows kind of more of the horror elements of the movie, and also like doesn't spoil the creatures per se. Mm-hmm. But I really like the pull vault to safety scene, and that's one of my favorite scenes of the film. And it kind of shows like the goofy comedy aspect of the film. Yeah, like, that the was characters. almost kind of slapsticky. Yeah, and like it shows the characters like coming up with like you know, modern day problems require modern day solutions kind of thing, right? Right, right. While also giving you a little bit of a taste of what the monsters are like. Just a really fun scene between our three main heroes of the film. Mm-hmm. And really well yeah. shot too. Like there's there's this one like really big shot where they're all pole vaulting and they kind of all do it in unison. It's it's really fun. Very, yeah, very fun Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun. It's goofy. We're all having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and I think that captures the spirit of the film really well.
1: Yeah, I agree. But no, my favorite was still wrong. Rec room scene. I don't Fair know if enough. we should talk about it in this week's episode or next week's episode, but it's honestly, it was my, it was the highlight of the movie for me.
0: It, yeah, it's the scene that really shows off the Gummers household, and basically they use every single weapon at their disposal, including and not limited to an elephant gun, which is awesome, <laughs> and a flare gun, and a flare gun, yes.
1: No, so, like, you can cut this out later if you want. But, like, the context is a sandworm breaks into the gunner's basement. And then they just whip out their guns and start shooting it. And it's not dying. They throw their guns down. The camera pans back. They have a whole wall full of guns. And they just (laughs) start picking them off the wall and, like, blasting this thing. Yeah, it's awesome. it's so fun. Just that... The the comic timing on like the panning over just to show the wall of guns <laughs> and then just start pulling them off the wall and shooting.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. Where to watch, so right now it's unfortunately not streaming anywhere, but what I'll say is like it's you know it's pretty cheap on YouTube, on Prime. Too yeah, much. that's where I saw it. Um however, I when I watched this movie in 2020, it was streaming on Netflix at that time so i would say you know what keep even if you don't want to pay a little bit of money to to rent this one out or you you can't afford it right now like just kind of have an eye on your streaming service because you never know when this one's going to pop up somewhere yeah for sure and that is it for our primary episode yeah no just a real fun time at the movies uh it's a good popcorn entertainment so go check this one out it's it's so much fun it's highly fun it's very fun Oh, and actually I was going to mention, because this is the episode usually that people are going to hear before we watch our next movie. Um, And so before we wrap up, so our next movie after this is going to be Groundhog Day. Oh, tight. That's awesome. Yeah. One of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah, definitely. So, and it's going to come out just in time for Groundhog Day. Wow. Look at that. I'm glad, <laughs> one, of, I'm glad one of us has a plan. <laughs> <laughs> We plan ahead so that we don't do anything right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye.